Chapter 12 Tagoria Han awakened to the sound of soft, muffled sobbing. He had been sleeping on the floor in Teruenza's living area, on a pile of expensive carpets he'd dragged into place. He'd insisted that Bria take the one human-style bed, since Morav had been the only one who'd gotten any rest the previous night, she'd volunteered to doze in the pilot's seat and keep an eye out for alarms. Though now that they'd reached hyperspace, there wasn't much that could go wrong. Han sat up with a groan, feeling stiff. Yesterday had been a hard day, and he now remembered, belatedly, that he hadn't eaten anything. Thirst was even worse than hunger. Climbing to his feet, he staggered over to the room's water dispenser and drank several cups. As he did so, his hand brushed his face, and he frowned as he touched his chin and felt thick, generous stubble. He had forgotten to shave since before they'd landed on Nalhata. The sounds of human sobbing had stopped. Han grabbed his clothes and went into the luxurious refresher unit, glad that it contained appointments for almost all types of species. He even managed to find a shaver. Minutes later, clothed and feeling considerably better, he went in search of Bria. He found her in the tiny guard's room, sitting up on the little bunk, arms around her knees, her face pressed against them. Hey, Han whispered. What's wrong? What's happened? She didn't raise her face, just waved him away. No, please, just let me alone. I'll be all right. I don't want you to see me like this. She sniffled. I look terrible. Han sat down beside her, but didn't touch her. I look terrible, too, he said. We could all do with a change of clothes. Hey he joked, trying to make her look at him. At least I got rid of the beard. That's a big improvement. She raised her head and gave him a watery smile. Her nose and eyes were red, but she still looked lovely to Han. You did look kind of scruffy last night. Han drew himself up, pretending to take umbrage. Scruffy? Me? Never. He slid an arm around her gently. Bria, honey? What's wrong? Tell me. She began to shudder. It's the exultation, Han. I woke up and realized that the pilgrims are gathering for devotions right now. And I realized I'll never have it again. Never feel that good again. Han didn't know what to say. He realized that Bria was missing the physical and emotional sensations that accompanied the exultation just as an addict would miss a dose of his or her drug of choice. The realization scared him. Would Bria be able to fight this dependency and win? Or would she go through life mourning what she'd lost? I think that's natural, he said cautiously, not wanting to frighten her by voicing his real thoughts. Of course, you'd miss it for a day or so, maybe a week. But we'll all help you through it, honey. You're a strong person. You'll get through it. And then he made an all-encompassing gesture with his hand. It's a big galaxy, sweetheart, and it's all ours now. We'll sell Teruenza's stuff and sell the talisman. Sell the talisman?
she broke in. Yeah, I'm afraid it's too recognizable. I'll take Merg and Morav home, and then we'll look for a place to sell this ship. I think I know one. A used ship dealer on Trallis in the Corellian system. Well, we can easily book passage on a ship from there to Corellia. He gave her shoulders a squeeze. And there's one big advantage to that. I won't be busy piloting. You'll have my... Gently, he kissed her cheek. Undivided attention. She swallowed and looked flustered. Hans started to lean toward her again, but she pulled back slightly, and he took the hint. She bit her lip, her blue-green eyes haunted. Oh, Han, what if I can't get over this, this longing? Han? She twisted her hands together in a convulsive gesture. It's worse than a longing. It's like a, a craving. My whole self is crying out to be exalted. I feel like someone punched a big hole in me and took part of me away. She began to shiver violently. Han pulled her to him, held her tightly, and stroked her hair, murmuring words of comfort. Inside, though, his mind was racing, and he realized that he was scared, too, scared of how much he felt for this woman. Han had had some pretty definite plans regarding Bria that had involved them spending copious amounts of time alone in each other's arms. But she's not ready for that. He realized with a sinking feeling, she needs a friend, not a lover. How long would it take for Bria to regain herself? Only time would tell. Coming up on Tagoria, Han said. Where shall I land us? Our largest city is Karos, Morav told him, indicating an area on the schematic of the planet. From Karos we can send a messenger to the Margrave of Tagoria, the ruler of all the male hunters. There is a landing field just outside Karos. We do not have our own ships yet. But traders and passenger ships from other worlds visit our planet. Okay, then. Karos, it is, Han said. With great care, he piloted the talisman down to a perfect landing in the center of the field. At the moment, no other ships were present. Merg, Han said as he updated his log. Are you too worried about reprisals from the Talandatil or the Huts? Not greatly, Merck said, ostentatiously flexing his claws. When Marav and I have assembled our tribes, we will be wed. It is then traditional with our people for a newly married couple to spend a long... What do you call it? He said a word in his own language to Marav, whose basic was much better than his own. Honeymoon, she supplied. Yes, a long honeymoon together. Remember that on our world, males and females live separately for much of each year. Once we are past our honeymoon, Morov and I will see each other only once a year for about a month. 
It is our way of life. But first, the giant Tagorian gave his mate to be a cheek rub. We will spend a long time together, just the two of us, in the mountains. The huts and Yelishans will not find us, and our people will not tolerate their looking. Any pilot that lands on Tagoria and asks questions about Merov or Merg will be dealt with. Merov gave a feral smile that showed many needle-sharp teeth. Not many species have the courage to intentionally anger Tagorians. I believe most bounty hunters would rather hunt. Easier prey. I can believe it, Han said sincerely. Okay, then. We're here. Now what? Do you two just walk off, claw in claw? He grinned at Bria, who gave him a wan smile. Food and rest had restored her somewhat, but he knew she was still battling her inner demons and longings. If Han must leave... Merg and Merov will understand, said the giant male. But if Han and Bria could stay for a day or two, they would be able to stand with us at our ceremony that will make us a mated couple. You would call it a wedding. Han looked over at Bria. So? We've just been invited to a wedding, sweetheart. Want to stay for a couple of days? I think we could both use a rest. Sure, she said, and smiled at the Tagorians. Nothing could please me more. A contingent of Tagorian females, with a small scattering of visiting males, was approaching the ship. Han and his party walked down the ramp. Morav and Merg were immediately enfolded by the crowd amid roars and yowls and vibrating purrs of happiness. Still standing at the bottom of the ramp, Han took Bria's hand and looked around him at Tagoria. Nice plan, he said. After Yelisha, this seems like a real paradise. It is beautiful. She agreed. Just right. It was indeed a beautiful world. Overhead arced a deep blue sky with a few puffy white clouds. The sky held just a tint of green to it, so it was almost indigo around the horizon. Tall mountain peaks shone white and glistening in the distance. Dark forests made a backdrop for a blue lake surrounded by meadowlands. Exotic green-fringed white blooms with scarlet leaves waved in the gentle breeze. Overhead, Han spotted a large flying creature and realized it must be one of the Mosgoths Merg had told him were the principal means of travel on Tagoria. Mosgoths were large flying lizards, very intelligent, Tagorians had domesticated the Mosgoths long ago. Each species worked together to protect each other against even larger winged reptiles, the deadly lifons, who stole both Tagorian cubs and Mosgoth eggs. As Han watched, the Mosgoth circled the landing field and then began to descend. Han saw the Tagorian male perched on its 
back, guiding it by means of a nose halter. He was impressed by the rapport that appeared to exist between mountain rider. Tagorian air was some of the cleanest, most refreshing Han had ever breathed. Morav had told him earlier that all Tagorian technology was based on solar power for just this reason. Tagorians revered their world and had no wish to despoil it or pollute it in the name of progress, as so many other species in the galaxy had done. Han took an experimental step or two, then bounced on his heels. He felt light, almost buoyant. That fit, for Tagoria's gravity was somewhat less than Corellian or Yelitian gravity. Suddenly the crowd parted, and Merg, still bandaged but walking with almost his old confident stride, emerged with Morav at his side. Our clans are being summoned for the mating ceremony and the feast that will follow, he said. You are our welcome guests. Please follow us. Han and Bria followed. Karas proved to be a lovely city. White native Stone was used to build terraced houses against the hillsides. Everywhere gardens abounded, and parks for strolling. Tagorian females busied themselves with projects or cared for rowdy cubs. Merg explained that both female and male cubs remained with their mothers until they neared adulthood. Then the males returned to the clan with their fathers to learn the ways of the hunter's life. During the next two days, Han and Bria rested ate delicious meals, though they insisted on their meat being cooked, and took long strolls together around the parks through the gardens. Han also took flying lessons from a young male, Roth, lessons on how to ride and control a Moskov. With his quick reflexes and daring, Han was soon soaring astride his mount far above the treetops, glorying in the feel of the sturdy, ribbed wings pumping behind him as he sat in the small saddle mounted on the Moskoth's shoulders. The Moskoths proved to be affectionate creatures that enjoyed having their tiny ear flaps scratched and their chests rubbed. All through the day following their arrival, Mosgoths bearing male riders arrived from all over Tagoria. The word had gone out that Merg the hunter had returned, and all his clan relatives were gathering to welcome him home and attend his and Morov's wedding. Merg and Morov were kept busy, relating their adventures among the stars to audiences of their people. Morov never tired of repeating the story of what had happened to her, lest some other unwary female Tagorian be sucked in by promises of a Elysian paradise. The wedding ceremony took place at sunset of their third day on Tagoria. Han and Bria stood beside Merg and Morov as they solemnly faced their assembled clans. Their fur gleamed from hours of careful grooming. Only the small white bandage on Merg's side marred his shining coat. On their native world, Tagorians rarely wore clothing. Their weather was so clement that it was seldom needed. First, the betrothed couple faced their clans, turning slowly so that all might see their faces. At Merg's signal, Han and Bria then stepped 
back to stand with the crowd of onlookers. Morav and Murg turned to face each other. Han blinked in surprise as a low, growling yowl began emanating from their throats. Both bared their teeth and hissed. Their claws sprang out. Then, so quickly that the eye could scarcely follow, they sprang at each other and went down on the ground, teeth locked in each other's throats. Growling, yowling, and snarling, they rolled over and over, slashing at each other with their front paw hands. Their feet were busy, too, digging deep into each other's furred belly. Han looked over at Bria, who was looking faintly alarmed, but no one in the crowd seemed to find anything amiss about what was happening. It takes all kinds to make a galaxy, Han thought. Finally, panting and growling, the two combatants broke apart. Despite the apparent ferocity of their attacks, no blood was visible on their coats. The two circled each other, and their yowls gradually died away into soft, gentle noises. They stood close together, rubbing their faces against each other for a long time. Han could hear their horse purring from where he was standing. Then, suddenly, Morov hissed, spat, and lashed out at Murg again. He leaped at her, and then they were down on the ground again, rolling and clawing and biting. Han gave Bria's hand a squeeze. Romantic, isn't it? He whispered, with a grin. Shh, she replied. Moments later, the nuptial pair were purring and rubbing against each other, eyes half-closed with pleasure. The crowd was getting more excited. Han could hear a vibrating purr arising from all sides. Again, Murg and Morav went through their fighting act. But this time, when they reached the cheek-rubbing stage, Murg grabbed Morav by the loose folds of skin at the back of her neck, clutching her in his teeth and powerful arms. He lifted her smaller form and carried her across the circle. The crowd parted before them, opening like a door. Murg vanished into the darkness, still carrying his mate. Moments later, two loud, triumphantly ecstatic yowls broke the stillness, and then... Silence reigned. The crowd murmured their approval of the completion of the rite. Han was nearly knocked over by Tagorian relatives of Murg's slapping his shoulders and assuring him that that had been one of the finest weddings they had ever been privileged to witness. They feasted into the night. Han and Bria slipped away to take a walk in the park, beneath Tagoria's two tiny moons. The stars blazed overhead. So, Han said, how did today go? Is it getting any easier? She nodded slightly. A little. Sometimes I can go a whole hour without missing it, huh? Sometimes, though, I feel like the minutes are just crawling by and I'm hanging on to my sanity by my fingernails. Well, tomorrow, I've got something special planned, he said, smiling at her. Get ready to have some fun. I've got everything arranged. What? she asked. What are we going to do? That'd be telling, he teased. Just prepare to get up with the birds, okay? They don't have birds on Tagoria. She reminded him. Just teeny flying lizards. That's true, he said. But get up early. 
Okay. Okay. When Bria arose the next morning, she could not find Han anywhere in their suite of rooms. But she did find a basket of fruit, a jug of fruit juice, some strips of smoked meat, and a loaf of bread on a tray. On the tray was a strip of flimsy, and written on it were the following words. Dress, eat, and come outside. I'll be waiting. H. Bria read the note, raised her eyebrows, then went off to do as it said. Her curiosity was so strong that it even muted the constant craving for the exaltation. Sometimes the longings came in waves so intense that she felt that she might go mad. But as the days passed, such occurrences were rarer. Bria prayed to all the true gods of the universe that some day they would cease altogether. When she reached the courtyard outside the building where they'd been quartered, Bria found Han waiting for her. He was sitting astride a Moskoth, with a pack and a blanket strapped behind the saddle. As she stood there uncertainly, he leaned down and held out a hand. Come on, climb up. She stared from him to the Moskoth to the open reaches of the Tagorian sky. You want me to fly with you on this creature? She asked. To fly in a spaceship or aboard a land skimmer was one thing. To climb aboard a huge reptile and soar off into the sky seemed quite another. Sure. Han leaned over to pat the neck of his mount. This is Cadis. And she's a real sweetie, aren't you, girl? The Mosgoth arched her sinewy neck and flicked out a long forked tongue, obviously enjoying the caress. Bria took a deep breath. Okay, she said. After all, she thought, the worst that can happen is that we'll fall out of the sky and get killed. Then I wouldn't have to worry about the exaltation anymore, would I? Grasping his hand, she put a foot up onto the beast's leg, which it obligingly crooked to help her mount. With a pull and a scramble, she was up, sitting before Han. His arms were around her, as secure as a safety harness. Bria gasped, then shut her eyes as he clucked to Cadis and twitched the reins. With two huge, leaping strides and a thrust of the Moskoth's powerful wings, Han and Bria were airborne and climbing steadily. Bria opened her eyes to find herself high above the tops of the buildings. The wind rushed by her face, blowing her hair, bringing tears to her eyes. Oh, she cried, Han, this is wonderful. Yep, he said, a pardonable note of smugness in his voice. And just wait till you see where I'm taking you. Bria held the front of the saddle. With the two of them squeezed together, she wasn't too worried about falling off, and exulted in the feeling of really flying. Forest and rivers flowed by beneath them. Bria stared down at the fields, the towns, and the lakes, grinning ecstatically. She hadn't felt this good since, well, since her last exaltation. But even the exultation seemed to have lost its power over her for the moment. 
leaning forward. Bria opened her mouth, drinking in the wind of their passage. She wanted to wave her arms and whoop aloud, but she resisted, not wanting to chance unbalancing the Mosgoth. Won't it tire her out carrying double? She shouted back at Han. His voice came almost in her ear. She could feel the warmth of his breath. She's used to carrying male Tagorians. You and me together don't weigh as much as Murg, or even some of the smaller males. Cagus is fine. Half an hour later, the broad river they'd been following widened until it branched into a large delta. Han turned the Mosgoth north, and then, within a few more minutes, Bria saw the curling white breakers breaking over silvery-gold sand. She turned to give Han an excited smile. The beach! I promised myself that someday we'd go to a real beach, he said. One where we could swim and not worry about getting eaten. He was guiding the Moskoth lower and lower now, and finally she came to a halt on the sand. Han slipped on her wing hobble, then left her to forage for herself in the nearby salt marsh. He returned, carrying the blanket and their lunch. Swim first? he asked. Or food first? Bria looked at the white surf and felt the tug of the water. Her family owned a beach house on Corellia, and she'd loved to swim ever since she'd been old enough to walk. Swim she said, glad that she'd worn a one-piece singlet beneath her shirt and trousers. Bria pulled off her outer clothes and raced into the water. Han, having stripped down to his shorts, followed her. She soon found that, to her surprise, he couldn't swim. Never got the chance to learn, he admitted, a little embarrassed. I was always working, and when I wasn't actually working, I was swoop-raising or something. I told you the beach on Galicia was the first time I'd ever seen a lot of water altogether. Well, said Bria firmly, today you're going to learn. You're young and strong, and you've got good balance and reflexes. You'll be fine. Han proved an apt pupil. Bria was amazed at how hard he concentrated, how precisely he followed her instructions on how to move his arms, his legs, when to breathe, etc. She commented on it at one point. Han smiled sardonically. Pilots learn to follow instructions, he said, or they wind up dead pilots. Before they came out of the water to eat, he was paddling around fearlessly in the surf and had begun to be able to coordinate his breathing with his arm strokes and leg kicks. You're a very good pupil, Bria praised as they sat together on the blanket, gazing out to sea. Thanks, he said. You're a good teacher. They shared food from the provisions he'd brought, and then they walked hand in hand along the beach. At one point, a tiny lizard flew overhead, winking in shades of green and gold. Bria put out a hand and held very, very still, and the tiny thing lighted on her fingers and clung there, its wings waving gently in the breeze. Han grinned at her. You look beautiful. 
he said. I feel as though I own the world, she replied, half joking. This day, I'll remember it always, Han. You own this beach, he said, smiling down at her. I give it to you. It's yours for today. The lizard took wing, still quite unafraid, and flew away. As they strolled through the breakers, Han told her more about his determination to get into the Imperial Academy. People look up to an Imperial officer, he said. Nobody's ever looked up to me for anything before. But if I can get in, that's all going to change. I'll be able to turn my life around, Bria. I'll never have to steal or smuggle or cheat anyone again. Bria's eyes filled with tears at the earnestness in his voice. She reached up and caressed his cheek gently. My heart breaks for you sometimes, she whispered. You've known such cruelty, such betrayal. He touched her cheek in return, his brown eyes intent. The wind ruffled his hair. But I also had one person who loved me, he said. Let me tell you about Dulana. They walked slowly along, hand in hand, and Bria listened as he told her about his best friend during his childhood. By the time they'd reached the blanket again, they were walking in silence. Garrus Shrike sounds like he'd fit in perfectly on Yelisha, Bria said, finally. He'd probably wind up running the place. Han agreed, a bleak note in his voice. He lowered himself onto the blanket and sat, arms draped across the tops of his knees, looking out to sea, his expression troubled. I should have killed him when I had the chance, Bria, but I didn't. She dropped down beside him. That's because you're a decent person, Han, she said fiercely. You think you're tough, and you are, but you're also decent. You're no cold-blooded killer like Shrike. If you'd shot him, you'd be no better than he is. He turned to her, his face profoundly intent, very serious. You're right, he said softly. Sometimes when things seem so confused, you make them all come clear. With just a few words, you're a very wise woman. Bria sat perfectly still as he leaned forward and kissed her gently on the cheek. His lips were warm. As he started to pull away, she put her hand on his cheek. Don't. His head turned, and his lips found her mouth. He tasted of sea salt. Bria closed her eyes, and time seemed to stop. After several long heartbeats, he drew back. Bria opened her eyes to find him searching her face. How's that? he asked softly, sounding a little breathless. Okay? Bria was more than a little breathless. Better than okay she whispered, sliding her arms around his neck, feeling the sun-warmed skin of his bare shoulders. His arms went around her, holding her tightly. Much, much better. She kissed him back. And it was a long, long time before they spoke again.